0: Mage, written by Haina. Crawling through the dirt is fun when you're a kid. It's a hell of a lot less appealing when you're an adult, dragging 40 pounds of magical equipment through some damned stretch of barren land in order to get atop of the ridge. Unseen, of course, since being compromised would, well, um, compromise the assignment. Then the bosses wouldn't be happy, and I might be dead. I'm much more concerned about my life than the displeasure of the higher-ups, though. I grunted and tucked my beard back inside my jacket, preventing it from snagging onto the coarse, dry grass that sprouted from the ridge. Two feet behind and to my left, my partner cursed and tugged her long, blonde hair free of a particularly stubborn shrub. Owls always caught up about looking fancy, don't get me wrong, Lisa Amber hair, whose hair was certainly several shades brighter than amber, mind you, was a fantastic partner and spotter. Her sharp alban eyes made up my aging, sometimes poor vision. It's just that, um, you know, she's an elf. Nothing against them, they're just, um, unimaginative. Part of the reason why the Magical Association for the Gifted Aldridge, mage for short, was formed almost exclusively from humans, like myself. When magic is bound only by your natural aptitude and your imagination, it helps to have one. Just a few more feet, I spoke softly to my partner. A calm, even tone of speech is less noticeable than a harsh whisper you might find in back alleys. It simply drifts through the wind and opposed to trying to cut underneath it. Prep the veil and keep an eye out for sentries. Yes, master, Her lilting voice replied sarcastically. She may outlive me, but I'll always be older than her. Disrespectful little twerp. Hey, practice makes perfect. Watch and learn. I slithered up the crest of the ridge, pushing the last bit of grass out of my face. Below me, a small valley stretched to the horizon, where the storm clouds angrily coalesced like a group of angsty young she-elves who don't want to heed the words of their superiors. Under the shade of the Viad Tree, a powerful point of achievement for those who practice earth magic, a handful of figures were arranged in a semicircle, seemingly lost in prayer. I loved stationary targets. This old body of mine doesn't handle prolonged chases very well. Well, this plan isn't going to happen anymore hissed Elisa from beside my left ear. "'Can you feel that? They've got a barrier set up. Your magic isn't going to get through that.' "'Oh, ye of little faith,' I muttered, pulling my star from its position on my back. I placed what would be the top of the star on my shoulder and pointed the butt towards the base of the white tree. "'Feel the nuances of the barrier. See how they shaped it. You can't keep everything out.' What did they put it up to combat? Alyssa's golden eyes narrowed in concentration. It's, um, it's, uh, been made to hold back direct magical attacks. The standard stuff like fireballs, lightning bolts, arcane missiles and such, which, uh, she stated, pointing at my staff, is exactly what you're using. I don't think you have a magical oomph to get through that. Just ready the veil, kid. Things are gonna get bright up here and I'd rather not get acid flasks thrown up at us like last time. I'm still bitter about that one. Lost a perfectly good cloak to that stuff. I felt the soft thrumming of power ripple through the air, and my vision changed to something akin to looking through water. It may have been hard to see out, but a veil, when done properly, was damn near impossible to see into. Another reason I paired myself off with the elf. She's much more suited for subtle magics like veils. I'm more of a toss-a-fireball-on-it-and-clean-up-with-lightning-strikes kind of mage. I whispered two words into the soft, well-worn wood of my staff, and it responded in kind. A mild shudder ran along the length, and a liquid blue glow took a hold of it, shifting the shape of the wood. A portion grew over my right shoulder, supporting the weight of the staff. It formed into the grip on my right hand, then dug roots into the ground beneath me, further stabilizing the magical item. Four more words, and the blue glow began sparking forwards, gathering at the tip of the staff. Power began to build, the air crackling with energy. Impressive light show, but it still won't get through, mocked my underling. Did elven children not get to read books or something? You really need to realize why Mage sends me on these high-profile assassination missions, young one, I said as I prepared my next spell. I focused on their origin and destination firmly in mind, as well as the continuing of the build-up of energy from my staff. Apparate, I breathed, and the chair appeared in the air in front of the staff, with an identical one appearing above the white tree. Inside, the magical barrier. Watch and learn, I said, and released the power I had been holding at bay. Heldrich blue energy ripped out from the length of my staff, causing the wood to go dark and return to its simple form. The grass around me flattened out, the excess power all but shredded the veil my assistant had so helpfully provided. The lance of blue energy tore through the portal, closing it with its wake. Almost a mile away, the viad tree exploded into an eruption of blue flames, engulfing those cultists that surrounded it. Seconds later, a massive detonation ripped through the valley, tearing up hundreds of tons of stone, sending debris flying through the air. Oh, crap, I said, quickly backing away. I may have just exposed the ley line underneath the tree. We need to leave. Now... I began a mad dash back down the ridge while attempting to secure a certain item from my overfilled pack. You what? screeched Alyssa. Kids, they never listen the first time around. I found the item in question, a round ceramic disc about two hands in width. All right, it's an enchanted dinner plate, and I want to hear about it. I took it and shattered it against the ground, opening up yet another portal leading to one of my safe houses which I then shoved my assistant through, following close on her heels. We tumbled to an unsightly heap in my living room, and the portal snapped shut behind us, safely blocking us from the magical explosion that was going to tear apart the valley in the next few minutes. (sighs) Ah! I exclaimed, jumping upright. Now you understand why they call me Dandel the Destructive. Mage Ace Extraordinaire! I heard that was from what you did to the HQ's third-floor bathroom, my unappreciative apprentice remarked. Shut it, kid. Respect your elders. You're only 40 semantics. Let's go report in. End of story. Story number two. The Order Was Given, written by Loz Newman. The Order Was Given. That'll cost approximately $355 Earth dollars, said smoothly synthesized female voice. Are you sure you wish to proceed? Worth every freaking cent, said the user. Do it! Working. Auto-programs were involved, the objective analyzed, requirements laid down, technologies from all the many galactic races examined, combined. Processes formulated and extrapolated. Specialist logistics AIs were spun up. Giant solar mirrors unfurled and began pouring captured solar energy into the network. In the mercury mines and foundries, teleport portals were created, aligned. Molten metals poured through the metaphoric molds. Production had begun. Circuits and plates were dropped through the portals towards the asteroid belt assemblers. The Saturn and Jupiter extractors and engine works. Working? Damn them for forcing me to do this, uttered the user. The first phase was building more infrastructure. The second, iteration, used to build more and more. More AIs, more mirrors, robots were produced to handle the fiddly bits, fine work, and intricate independent nodes for the ever-expanding production base. Soon, hundreds of fabbers produced thousands more. Then, that became millions. Reactors began pouring out filling with hydrogen from the gas giant extractors. tech base established, please give final confirmation. The user sighed. Kill them all. Working. Fabers combined into fabricators, clamped onto some reactors and began spinning structural members, laid down circuits, build systems. The death ships began to take form. On Mercury, the activity never ceased building more and more infrastructure. The death fleets began forming up thousands of battleship-sized engines of destruction. They had no life support because there was no one left to crew them. Variations and combinations of galactic technologies were formulated into weapon systems, tested, deployed. No two fleets were identical, all were utterly dedicated to their one mission. How long will this take? Estimated time to completion is three weeks, five days. God damn it! Do I have that long? Yes, sir, if extreme measures are taken. ah, uh, let me think about it. The fabricators were working themselves to death, pouring out megatons of components before willingly throwing their worn-out shells into the recyclers and clamping their AIs into newer, better fabricator shells. The last human had commanded it, and they would not fail the human's dying wish. The user brooded while looking at the swelling death fleets, all the many thousands of them. Percentage chance of success. Approaching 100%, barring surprises. Ah, <sighs> Then don't apply those extreme measures. I don't want to see that happen. Noted. How long do I have? A few more minutes. No more. Replay the message, please. A screen lit up. The user could see their face from back when it was unravaged. Hear their bitter voice. You have killed us all. Congratulations. I am the last human and I am dying from your frigging nanoplague. All my family is dead because of you. You rock bastards. My entire race, you've killed us. But that doesn't mean that you will win. We don't accept defeat so easily. I will kill you all with a few simple words. Listen closely, you bastards. Siri, eradicate the Huruk Imperium. Kill them all. Siri, to death beats the last human has died. Eradicate the Huruk Imperium. Kill them all. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope